Those of us who have owned horses for a good portion of our lives know that once in a great while, and sometimes once in a lifetime, you come across that special partner that seems to blend with your mind and spirit in such a way that conscious cues and conscious thought processes become almost unnecessary for the working relationship. Such is the case with Buck and I. It began in the early summer of 1984. I was taking a couple of my young horses and a couple of young client horses to a little rundown track in South Sioux City, Nebraska, called Atticad Park. It was one step above a bush track, but it was recognized for the Jockey Club of North America, which meant that the races here would count on your horse's record. This can be very important since most tracks have screening rules for eligibility to run there. Examples would be that a maiden, which is a non-winner of a race, would not run once it reached five years of age, or a horse that had ever run below a certain claiming price, such as $3,000, could not run unless it had finished top four in one of its last four races since running for the low claiming price. It's relatively easy for a horse to get into eligibility trouble due to injury, layoffs, or simply bad breaks. In those cases, the small tracks with full purses with somewhat easier competition could prove very useful. I pulled into Atticad Park in May of 1984, hoping to break the maiden on the four horses in tow, all of which were four-year-old maidens, and then move on to some place with somewhat better. The barns were long wooden structures with open shed rows to the outside of the stalls, and I quickly learned that you don't unload your horses until you've checked the stalls. With the maintenance budget at, at Atticad, it was an almost certainty that there would be boards to replace or gates to repair before the stalls were horse-ready. As I was attending to these tasks, looking around trying to get this facility, I noticed an older gentleman at the far end of the barn with a horse tacked up in western packs, which I assumed to be a pony horse, in one hand and a lean bay race mare on a leather lead in the other hand. They were soon joined by a young man who crawled on the pony horse, secured the lead shank of the race mare, and walked away toward the track gate. In a minute or two, I heard a sound of some thundering hooves, which were produced by the bay mare, headed back to the barn at full speed, with the leather shank whipping around beside her. Not far behind came the pony hook, which uh, was at an unconcerned trot, also bound for the barn. The young man following at a stopped walk, while my very unflattering remarks about the pony horse. The young man never made it completely to the barn before waving his hand in a dismissing man the old man as he circled in a different... It was then that the old man yelled in my direction, Do you ride? I replied that I'd been known to on occasion, which prompted him to proclaim that if I could get that so-and-so horse and the bay mare around the track and all three of us come back together... And he would give me the pony. I explained that I don't really want to take his horse, but for sure give it a try. If I got dumped, it wouldn't be my first mouthful of racetrack dirt. The pony was a good-looking, stout horse with a couple of cropped-out paint markings on his legs and belly and a wide, crooked blaze down his face, which spread across his eye on the right side and caused him to have a blue eye on that side. As I approached close enough to get a read on the horse, I was great appeared to be a rather calm eye, despite non-threatening demeanor. 
man introduced himself as Art called the Pony Buck. I'm sure the name came from the buck's dark buckskin color, but recent events seemed to add a fair amount of credence to the moniker. I wasn't sure what had transpired on the attempt at Pony and the Mare, but saw no reason not to take my shot at the task and needed to step into the Art had made a leather leech tank, which was equipped with a nose chain threaded through the mare's halter, as was common on the track. He mumbled a rather muffled, good luck, and sent me on my way. It was about 100 yards from the of the track, and the young man was at the halfway point of, of the track. According to his account of his failed attempt, Buck would be a perfect gentleman until he got all four feet on the racing surface at the track gate, he said that as soon as Buck had cleared the track gate without any warning, he, quote, broke completely in two with his nose planted between his front feet and commenced to, quote, hogging and squalling like the best sat bronc he had ever seen. I thanked him for the warning and being the smart horseman that it was, developed a, began to develop a plan to hopefully avoid the excitement. My plan was to keep Buck busy with cues from me, asking him to turn left backtrack down the rail as soon as his two front feet were on the track surface. Then I would ask for trot until I approached the winter circle, at which point I'd reverse direction and ask for a slow lope up the track. I had unfortunately left one important part out of the equation, that being the lanky bay mare that I was ponying. As we approached the track gate, she made it very clear that she'd already played this game once and had no intention of coming back for an encore. She reared without warning and began to suck back with full intention of breaking loose from me. I instinctively locked my right elbow into my body and grabbed the leather lead with both hands. The pressure of the chain on her nose quickly convinced her that my direction was her best option. About that same instant that she responded, I suddenly realized that I'd relinquished all control of this proclaimed bronc between my legs. My next realization was that we were actually backtracking along the rail at a nice trot, exactly as I'd planned in my grand scheme to outwit Buck. I'm certain that I had unconsciously given him some leg cues on weight or a weight shift during the excitement. I was so relieved to still have a leg on each side with the mare and toe that I honestly didn't care how I got there. My goal now was to continue with my plan and make a full lap around the track. I reversed direction at the winter circle and asked for a lope. Buck responded immediately and perfectly, and our journey around the oval had begun. Our orders were to complete one five-eighths mile lap and return to the barn. The mare was pulling hard, wanting to go, and Buck felt like he would enjoy a little blow. So at the end of the first lap, I gave Buck his head, and we accelerated to a full gallop for the second lap. I was somewhat amazed that it was everything the race mare could do to keep up with Buck. The second lap was fun for all of us, and after we got pulled up and backtracked on the, on the rail to the gate, we enjoyed the leisurely walk back to the barn. Art met us with a smile and took the Bay Mary in hand to cool her out after her little run. After confirming that there were no more horses to pony, I unsaddled Buck and walked him around while Art tended to the mare. I'd seen which stall Buck came out of and took it upon myself to put him away. When I heard Art yell, what do you think you're doing? I responded that I was just putting Buck away, to which he replied, he ain't my horse and I don't want to counterfeit so-and-so in my barn. As a side note, 
did find out later that I was the fourth person to try phoning with Buck, and the first three had all met the same demise. I did have an extra stall at my end of the barn, and instead of arguing in the heat of the moment, I simply led Buck to my stall and bettered him down for the day. My assumption was that Art would rethink his rash decision and would take back the horse in the next day or so. Over the next few days, I got to know Art well, and it was then that I learned the tarnished history of Buck. He was a three-year-old that had been broke to ride on the farm, and they brought him to the track to make a pony horse out of it. It had been a failed effort until I came along. Art was convinced that there was some uncanny connection between that horse and I and was adamant about me keeping him with the agreement that if I ever wanted to part with him, Art had first choice. I used Buck extensively at that race meet and made a considerable amount of money ponying off of it. He became very, my very loyal sidekick and quickly developed a reputation of being able to handle any horse that you bring in tow and had a real knack of protecting me from any ill-mannered horses that were brought our way. Buck was my con- companion for the next 16 years. He was stricken with colic and died at the age of 19. As good as he was for me, he maintained the idiosyncrasy of never letting another man ride him. And some pretty good ones tried on the other hand, a woman could ride him anywhere, and he was a perfect gentleman. He also proved to be a great babysitter at racetrack. Kids could ride him all around the barn area, even while races were going on or traffic was moving around the grounds. Buck was definitely one of a kind. I tried for years to replace him, but there was always a little something missing in the relationship. The end.
Subscribe with us to follow our podcast and please provide a review. We appreciate your positive feedback, which enables us to provide our free podcast to you. Music provided by Ed Mahan and copyrights by Everything Horses and Livestock Magazine. Thank you.